Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and I am here. Another week has gone by, and another week has come back in, and you are, of course, still at it. You're still grinding. You're still making things happen. I'm doing my best to do that here, and that's what we come every single week for that reason. Now, this week, I want to have a, a kind of interesting conversation. And, you know, I think this word for a while uh, in 2020 was overused with pivoting, pivoting. But this week is really a, a friend of mine that's in the podcast and radio world and speaking world. And we've connected on all these things for the better part of a year or two now, has finally made it on the show. And I'm talking about none other than Mr. Tom Singer. Now, Tom Singer is... Uh, not just a certified speaking professional, you know, he's, he's the guy that has been a hired keynote and paid speaker, which is the holy grail of the speaking world that so many people want to do and aren't able to as a business. He's done that nearly a thousand different audiences. He's also been a master of ceremonies at many different major prestigious conferences. Um, some call him the conference catalyst because he creates the atmosphere. He doesn't just speak. He, he's about so much more than that. He also runs a phenomenal podcast. Uh, he did one called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and I want to talk about how that started. And then, of course, Making Waves at the Sea Level is his current podcast, and he is just a ball of joy. He's also a stand-up comedian, so I want to make sure that, um, well, you make us laugh. Welcome, Tom. How are you? Oh, great. Now I have to make you laugh. That, that's actually hard work. I don't know if I can do that, but uh, I'm doing great. You know, you and I tried to do this after I saw you last February or last March. It was the last live event I was at. We were at the New Media Summit and we were scheduled like two weeks later for me to be on your podcast and COVID was shutting down the world and I had the opportunity to do something with a client. So I had to cancel and it only took us eight months to reschedule it. That's not so bad. Yeah, quick shout out to New Media Summit. Steve Olsher, uh, editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, puts together a great summit and that's how we met. Um, and, you know, grateful for places like that. And man, I have been missing conferences. Um, I really have, you know, just before we went to tape, I was telling you how, you know, how you doing, Matt? And, and my answer nowadays is I am so bored of recording this from my upstairs bedroom office and going here every day. Sometimes I just get the laptop on the couch. Sometimes I go to a Starbucks uh, just because <laughs> I need to be around people. Are you traditionally or kind of more geared towards extrovertism or do people assume that because of what you do for a living? No, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely more of an extrovert. I like, I like to be around people. That's one of the reasons I like 
speaking and being the master of ceremonies at live events is I get to meet a whole bunch of people. People fascinate me and I get my energy from hearing stories from people about what they're doing, how they're growing their business, how they're, how they're driven as an entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, that all came to a stop. I call March 13th the day my business died. And uh, I have literally been on stage in front of people once since that time. I've done a hybrid event where I was, uh, there was live people in the audience and then we were broadcasting it. Um, and so that was the only time that I've actually been live. I've been in TV studios filming and, and emceeing conferences. And I've sat here in my office in Austin, Texas, in what used to be my daughter's bedroom before she moved out. <laughs> Coming to you live from my daughter's old bedroom. <laughs> that sounds so prestigious. This, this is audio only. The, the walls behind me are like kind of a light green and a light blue, which is what she chose when she was 15. She's now 23. I've never repainted the room. And every time she sees me on a video or sees a picture of me like in my studio, she's like, you know, paint is cheap. Maybe it shouldn't be green and blue, dad. And I'm like, I don't no, know. I like Easter eggs and I like you. Come on. <laughs> so, I, and I remember sitting in, in the hotel lobby because this is also the last event I ever did uh, this, uh, for this year, uh, March 13th, right? Is when I flew back home. And I remember sitting there with you and you're just, you have your laptop open and your phone and we're having a cup of coffee or a drink or something. And you're like, hmm. Well, my whole month just opened up. This canceled, this canceled, this canceled, this canceled. And I know you've talked about this probably ad nauseum at this point, but can you just, with a fresh perspective, looking back especially now, when you are 100% of your business is from one niche, one area, one type of work, and then that industry shuts down completely. I guess the first thing is what... How do I even want to ask this? Tom, I want to know what your mindset was like. How did you feel initially? And I think that might be an obvious answer, but more and less obvious is how did you feel after? How long did it take you to sort of shift the tide in your own mindset, right? Of like, okay, yeah, this happened, but now let's get back at it. Let's figure out the new. Was that like in moments? Was it days, weeks, months? Tell me about that kind of process. Yeah, I remember we were at that conference. And, and so I always talk about, you know, March 13th is the day the business died. It started on March 9th and we were at that conference for four days. And over those four days, I watched all of my, what was left of second quarter, third quarter, uh, and second quarter and third quarter dissolve. Like I think I had 10 events cancel while we were in San Diego at the New Media Summit. And it was, at first it was a little bit of disbelief. Like I, I was like, why? I mean, they were canceling things. Like I wasn't speaking there, but they were canceling things like South by Southwest. I'm like, how do you cancel you know, South by Southwest, it's like, a, it's like part of the Austin, Texas, you know, persona. How do you not do it? And I kept thinking, oh, well, surely we're overreacting. Surely people are jumping the ball on this thing. So there was a little bit of disbelief. Then it became fear because I make my living as a professional speaker. You were saying in the intro that, you know, being paid to speak, that's what, what people want to do. That's all I've done for 11 years. And there've been people who've talked to me about, well, you should diversify your income. And it's like, why? I love what I do. And all but one year of the 11 years, it got bigger year over year for, you know, 2019 was a little flat, but uh, uh, 2020 was going to be my biggest year ever. I had more things on the books for 2020 
I finally had kind of reached where I wanted to be as a speaker as far as like the size of the events, the, the, the frequency of it. Uh, people were calling me. They liked what I talked about. Repeat con- conferences and clients, I'm sure. A lot of repeat had finally started to hit. People who'd used me three and four years in a row as their master of ceremonies or bringing me back to keynote because it had been four or five years. So I was getting into that second cycle where speakers get brought back five years later. Uh, and it all just sort of went poof. In, in a moment. So yeah, so disbelief, then fear. And I, you know, I never got depressed. I actually had gone through four or five months earlier. I hate to use the word spiritual awakening, but I don't know how else to say it without spending a half hour talking about my own mental state. Uh, and so I was in a good space in my head and I just, I kept meditating. I kept focusing on the fact that this is what it is. And I thought by the fall, it would be fine. So while I was taking a giant financial hit from March until August, surely September was going to be fine. And so I'm an optimist. I just said, okay, well, well look, that's so far away, right? I mean, so many of us, I had an event scheduled for April, my own event. I'm like, well, we're canceling this, but we're moving it. I'm going to, so I moved it to August, September thinking that is so far away. Things have got to turn around by then, right? So I have a daughter who was supposed to get married on May 16th. And we were all- Oh, come on. It was a destination wedding. Mammoth uh, Mountain in California. Skiing goes until June. So it was going to be get married on the top of the mountain, ski down to the reception. Uh, it, you know, it was just awesome. And, and in, in March, I told her, oh, by May 16th, we'll be fine. And of course, then the resort shut down. And so the, the wedding was canceled. And then they rescheduled it for October 10th because, and they moved it to San Diego. So obviously outside on the beach in San Diego in October, there would be no problem. And no problem. Of course, she did not get married May 10th on the beach in San Diego either. And so my, I've watched my career and this major family event. And simultaneously, I had a high school senior. So there was no prom. There was no graduation. There was no campus tour when she got accepted because I was too cheap to take her to her first choice college because it was kind of remote. And I'm like, well, if you get in, we'll just jump on a plane and go. And then she got in and she had to accept college sight unseen. uh, Wow. And moved to New Hampshire in in September, having never been there. So our whole world personally, you know, as a family and uh, uh, career wise, my wife also is a meeting planner for an association. So we've watched everything just go poof. But what do you do? You, You just push forward. And as you said, you pivot. Well, and well, here's the thing, Tom, what you just said, right? It's like, what do you do? You push forward. Well, that's not what everybody does. And I think there, you know, I don't want to downplay your attitude and your strength and, um, and just, you know, what you had to do. So again, are you the kind of guy that when, when it starts shifting, are you just like, okay, you know, I mean, you strike me as someone obviously just kind of rolls with the punches in life generally, but when it comes to something like that, did it take you a couple of days or was it those, you know, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's an open loop. It's an open loop. And then at what point did you land on going, okay, I can't keep waiting. It's time to go. And what advice do you have for someone that feels like they're in an open loop situation where they're waiting? I never sat in the corner and cried. Had it happened a year earlier when I still had some head trash going on, I probably would have been paralyzed. But the first thing I did is I said, okay, everything's canceling. How can I serve these clients and other past clients? I reached out to every association that I've ever spoken for just about and said, is there anything I can do? We're all in this together. And five or six of them said, yeah, we have to do some sort of content. We had to cancel our conference. And I, I wrote a thing called how to social Titan while social distancing. So I wrote a training program for organizations, law firms, 
banks, associations, just to talk to people about how do you reach out and stay in touch during this time. So starting April 1st, I started doing this. Oftentimes for free, ah, hire me when the thing comes back if they had no budget. Oftentimes for a low fee. And you stitched together enough low fees and you made a mortgage payment. So, you know, for a couple of months. So I just kept doing little things and, and that hasn't stopped. But the smartest thing I did is middle of April, I decided I'm not smart enough to solve this global pandemic. So I need to talk to smart people. So I made a, a personal commitment that every day I was going to have a five days a week, Monday through Friday, a call with someone I think is smart, either a speaker, someone in the meeting planning business, someone in the association world, uh, in the corporate world, or just somebody who I, I know, usually people I already knew. And I would just touch base with them, see how they were doing, talk about my, my situation was worse unless you owned a restaurant. Um, and the flip of that was at the end of the conversation, I said, look, I'm trying to talk to someone smart every day. What do you think I should or could do? And the honesty of this, and I still do this at least three days a week, most people have no answer for me. Some people have an answer that doesn't do me any good. I've already thought of it or it doesn't work or they don't really understand. But since April, about four or five people have given me ideas that I have put into play that have actually led to me making money or, or doing something new. And one of them was a former client, a company I had spoken at their partner meeting. He said, why don't you come to work for me? And it's an executive search firm who works with big companies looking to hire uh, CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, basically director level and higher positions. It's an international firm. It's called Stanton Chase. Uh, it's a, one of the premier executive search firms that does retain search at the highest levels in, in you know, corporations, associations. And it's a good business for me. It's a people business. You get to talk to a lot of people. It's a networking business. And so in July, I joined Stanton Chase and I'm still speaking. I still have my speaking business, but there's not a lot of work. So I'm doing both. So that was sort of my pivot. And I will, I will work for Stanton Chase, the best company I've ever worked for. Uh, you know, even if I do it half time, I'll work for them when the speaking business comes back because I like the company and they're giving me this opportunity to learn so much. Can you, can you kind of talk to me about the qualifications for something different? Yeah, I, I've gone down this road myself thinking for over the years and especially over this last year, you know, I think, okay, this is changing. I can't do this like it used to be. Um, my income's cut in half. And luckily my expenses, you know, putting on events is also cut in half. So <laughs> in a funny, personally, kind of in a similar place, right? Um, that I was last year. But with the business side, it's like, well, things have changed quite a bit. So I always go down this road of thinking, what else could I do? And sometimes look, like, don't freak out, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, Matt, you're not going to do this anymore. No, no, I am. But sometimes it's just kind of a what if, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a, couch fantasy of like, well, what am I going to do? And this year, it felt a little more real, like, hey, what am I going to do if I need to change? But I've gone down this like, well, what if I did, you know, leadership training? What if I did this other thing? What if, and I start to realize, little by little, there's only a handful of things that I probably could do at a good high level, you know, that, that I would love, and I could get, create value. And then the other thing I realize is that I'm pretty hyper unqualified for almost every corporate job that I would ever think of. How do you land something like this? Um, and again, you said people, they reached out to you. Were you thinking along the lines already if I want to do something different or have you ever worked in the executive search world before? Okay. Tell me kind of about how that comes together. So first of all, my background was business development for professional services firms. So before becoming a speaker, I worked for law firms, banks, and consulting firms 
as their business development officer. So selling professional services is my background. Gotcha. This particular firm, I spoke at their international partner meeting like five years ago, and, and I have a friend who works for him. He now is the, the head of North America for, for the firm. Uh, five years ago, I guess, I spoke at their international partner meeting, and the chairman said afterwards, why doesn't he work for us part-time? He's constantly meeting people in companies. He's speaking at all these associations and corporate events. Why doesn't he just work for us at doing business development, even if he doesn't do the search side, just help us uncover rocks? And I wasn't interested in it. But I talked to them and they said, look, you've got the personality for it. You know, executive search is all about being able to connect dots, seeing two steps ahead, being able to recognize, you know, where there's holes. And then I teach people about human connections, right? That's my, my whole thing. And jobs are found, whether it's through search or organically, jobs are always found through your network and through connections. So the skill set that it takes to be great in executive search happens to be many of them. I don't have everything, but it happens to be my skill sets. So We've talked about it over the five years. I'm friends with the, the guy who works there. So I will tell you now that I'm on the inside, in the best of times, if I was working full-time, it would take me six months to a year to learn the business. So there's not a lot out there. There's nowhere to go network. There's, you know, the company's not having its internal live meetings. It's going to take me a year to 18 months to, to fully get up to speed and to be able to make this a profitable venture for myself. But part of it is I had to be willing to say yes. And, and one of the things I changed in myself over the last couple of years, I used to look for reasons to say no. If I thought something was going to be hard, I'd go do something that was easy. And I had learned this lesson last year that maybe I have to start saying yes, and maybe I have to try some new things. So that philosophy of being willing to take the risk uh, if if I don't succeed at it, so what? I spent two years working for, you know, a year working for a great company, met some awesome people. But the odds are that I'm going to be able to piece it all together. So part of it is, is having that mental attitude that somebody's going to succeed as an executive search consultant. Why not me? And my background and my skills line up. So again, if this had happened a year ago, I would have been too scared. What if I fail? What would people say? Well, in the current pandemic, people are going to say, wow, look at him. He tried something you know, bully for him. And there's, some, there's something about that too. <laughs> when you have uh, nothing to lose, quote unquote, you know, not that you have nothing to lose, but you know what I mean? Yeah. A, a year ago, people, you'd be comparing like, well, I have this thriving speaking business that's at the top of the game and having the best year yet. Should I throw all that away? Or should I shelf that to try this new thing? And now, you know, one of the blessings I think it's really coming out of the year is, well, if what I was doing is basically gone or mostly gone or changed anyway, what the heck? Why not? You know, embrace the freedom of it. Have you been embracing the freedom of choice? Uh, well, I mean, as far as like this, this pivot to joining Stanton Chase has been concerned, I've embraced the, the bejeebas out of it. And they've been very good because they know I'm not ready to walk away from my speaking business and walk away from my podcast. And I actually am the paid host of another podcast, which has been a blessing because I've been doing that for two years. So it doesn't pay me very much, but there's been a steady piece of income every month from, from that gig. So I'm not willing to change all that. So I had to strike a, a deal where we could, well, I could work in all of these things. And that's one of the reasons I changed the name of my podcast from uh, cool things entrepreneurs do to making waves at sea level is I wanted to get all the areas of my life in the same area. And that is I work. And even as a speaker, it's, it's often the CEO who makes the decision that we want Tom to come speak at the company. I want everything to be focused on that C-suite people. That's where I want to build my network moving forward because it fits into all sort of two, three areas of my life. And what's great about the pandemic, in the past, they'd say, well, 
how can you have a job and have a speaking career in the pandemic? People are like, wow, that's very creative. Good for you that you were able to stitch it together. So I think everything is on the table for everyone right now. And no one's going to judge you if you succeed or fail. Right. Kind of the, the, the perfect time to, to try something new, the perfect time to just go for it. Because what's the worst that'll happen? You're in the same boat you were a month ago, right? right. Like if this whole thing didn't work out, you go, well, I, I worked a little bit at it and I'm still only speaking as much as I was anyway. <laughs> and I do, if I'm great at it, I can still speak on the side. Even if I decide to work more in, in, in the search world, you know, I can always do my speaking because it's totally flexible. You know, I can say yes or no to clients. So you can actually be a little more choosy too. Let's just say things start picking back up and the events are coming again and you're loving what you're doing now. You could easily say, well, what does my new speaking career look like? It doesn't have to look like what it used to. It can be a different business plan where you you take 20% of the gigs available, but they're the top 20 that you actually enjoy, want, thrive. Making waves at the sea level. Um, I always loved your podcast, The Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I think I was on that once and I'm an entrepreneur and I don't know if I do cool things, but... You do cool. Um, totally cool. I do cool things, but I don't know if I'm a cool guy. That's what I was going to say. So uh, I love that show. Do you use your Making Waves at Sea Level podcast primarily because you want to get in the minds of these kind of people? Is it a good networking tool for you? Um, kind of what, what's the... like? I guess talk to me about should people consider maybe doing a podcast, getting on shows? What does it look like? Who do you look for in a guest besides someone, you know, that's at the sea level, obviously? So it, I consider it to be the same show. We had a name change, but so I've been doing this for six years and over 610 episodes. I do it twice a week. And I would say the show has been the best networking tool I've ever had. And as a speaker, I teach people about human connections. So that's a big statement to say my podcast has been the best networking tool I've ever had. But look, it led me to meeting you. I have some of the best friends I have in 2020 are podcasters I've met over the last six years or some of the guests that I've had on have become my friends or my clients. So yeah, the podcast is a great tool, but it doesn't happen by accident. There's no magic fairy dust in a podcast. You have to be strategic in who are you interviewing? How are you interviewing? How are you sending it out? What are you doing? And I'm a solopreneur. I'm a one-man show. So sometimes I don't, I don't get everything done with the podcast that I should to let it be this awesome marketing and networking tool. But even at the level that I'm able to do it, it has opened up more doors than for my speaking career and now uh, in, in this new career that I'm in, but even just on a personal level than I ever could have imagined. So, yes. So, yes. And do you foresee continuing uh, doing this as long as, like till you die or just until the next wave comes to something different? I mean, six years and over 600 episodes, that's, that's a big deal, man. And most people with, with any kind of a, a radio show, television show, podcast can't, uh, can't tout that. And to be able to pivot into the new space you're in and to continue in that space is a huge deal. So I guess, I mean, first, congratulations. And uh, do you just foresee you love it, you're going to keep doing it? So I, I do like it and I will continue to do it in some format. I also host this show called the Digital Enterprise Society Podcast that I've been hosting coming up on two years. Uh, I'm the paid host for that. They, they were fans of my show. Uh, they were a client. I'd spoken at their conference and they put their podcast together and they said, can you help us do this? And, and I ended up becoming the co-host. And uh, I also host a show called the Webinar Talk Show, which is a video kind of podcast, I guess. It's an interview show that lives on Facebook. Uh, and it also has a webinartalkshow.com is, is, is its page. 
and it's an interview show because when we pivoted to this world of virtual meetings, most of them suck. And one of my friends and I had started hosting hybrid events six years ago. And we knew the at-home audience had different needs than an audience in a ballroom. And part of it is you got to relate to them. So a talking head over PowerPoint is not the way people want to take their stuff over the computer. And yet most conferences are just hiring a speaker to talk. So we created this interview show that's kind of like Kelly and Ryan in the morning. And we're using that as a, as a tool to show off how we can interview as part of your conference. And so when you talk hybrid, and this is an interesting concept, I think I want to, as we kind of wind down here, I want to talk about this as an example. So there's the, you know, if, if what you said, talking heads of webinars and if PowerPoints and if regular old Zoom meetings, you know, if that really was going to be the quote unquote future, um, live meetings would have died a long time ago because we had the technology and we're ready. And that's all the same thing you did. Just as one person on Facebook says, oh, we got to, everything's going to be digital. Then you have a thousand people showing up in a ballroom and getting on flights and wanting to be together. So I do believe that people always want to be together at some point. I love your, to your point, I want to plug that again, social tightening while social distancing. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Probably the best thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. So I'm still waiting for it. I'm waiting for the New York Times to call, but I've been talking about this since March. Yeah, so. they're coming. They're coming. Yeah. And Oprah, doesn't she do things still? Something like that. <laughs> so um, when you talk about hybrid events, I, I guess, you know, this is probably a question that's been asked to you before. What do you see, you know, for 2021, 2022, what have you, what do you see coming back? Are we going to continue using it? Are corporations going to, you know, close down half their real estate? Is it going to come back to cubicles again and, and ballrooms again? Or is it going to be that whatever that, I hate that word, but is it going to be the new normal, something different? Well, of course, it's going to be different because people have gotten very comfortable using this technology where a lot of people weren't before. So this technology, where there's certain things that we can do over Zoom that are just more efficient. However, people like to be around people, even introverts want to be there. Uh, people say, oh, well, certain companies aren't going to let anybody travel to conferences until their competitors do and start winning the business. Sure. You want all these people who said, people don't have to return to the office ever until they learn they're losing people because the other company with an office has a better culture and everybody's quitting to go work there. They're going to open up offices. So there will be differences, but it's not going to be a blanket magic wand. And as far as conferences are concerned, the word for 2021 and maybe 2022 is hybrid. But eventually, we're going to see what works. For some events, hybrid will work. But you have to remember, you're at home. It's not just streaming your live ballroom. The at-home audience has different needs. And the example I use is, I have two quick examples. One is, uh, nobody turns on their TV at 8 o'clock at night to watch someone standing there giving a lecture. But since the 1950s, we've watched talk shows in the morning, in the afternoon, late night TV. So the interview format that I tout with the, the webinar talk show stuff, the interview format is not yet been embraced by most of these webinars and conferences, but I think it's how you're going to engage that at-home audience more. So you're planning two events if you're doing a hybrid because your ball, it's like uh, the other example, professional sports. If you own the Kansas City Chiefs, you plan stuff that's going to happen at your arena. That's different than what you're planning for the home people who are watching it on TV. Correct entirely different audiences and the people at the chiefs, there's people who work on TV and there's people who work on what happens in the stadium and conferences are going to have to learn that. 
And you have two different revenue streams too, almost two different businesses, right? You have live ticket sales and you have the gate and you have merch and you have food. And then all of a sudden you have TV commercial sponsorship, um, pay-per-views if it's boxing, what have you. The teams didn't want TV, right? Because they wanted people to come to the stadium. If we broadcast it, nobody will come. Well, it turned out they're making more money from TV revenue than they do in the stadium. So you go back 40 years, people are like, we can't broadcast the sports team because nobody will ever come to the stadium. Yes, they will. Well, it turns out that you can use TV as a promotion tool, right? Now that the more they like that. So when you're talking hybrids and interview format, are we talking like, I'm imagining maybe a small studio, maybe a green screen, maybe not. And me and you were in there. Hey, I'm going to, I'm sitting in a set. I'm talking, I'm on stage. My guest comes on and we're teaching, having a conversation and it's for the people. Um, you know, maybe you, you get your iPad with, you know, all the comments and all the things and you're interact. Like, is, is that kind of what you're talking about or is it, is hybrid different? No. Explain that a little more if you would. So my, my co-host for this, this webinar talk show, we originally called it the conference talk show and we started it six years ago and we would go to a live event. We would have a studio. They would broadcast the speaker who was on the main stage. And then as soon as that speaker was over and everybody went to coffee in the live ballroom, everybody was in the lobby having coffee. What do you do with your at-home audience? Most conferences would put up a thing that says back in 30 minutes. Well, right, go pee. Yeah, what we did is we, that's when our cameras would go on and the speaker would come and he'd sit with us and we'd be like, hey, Matt, you just delivered a great keynote. Yeah, we have this at-home audience. We have a thousand people watching at home. What did you not have time in the 45-minute keynote to share that you'd like specially just to give the at-home audience? And then you could go a little bit deeper about how to be a driven entrepreneur and what the firebox is all about. You could talk about your stuff. And the at-home audience feels they're getting something they didn't get. And at the same time, we would interview like people like walking by. We'd be like, hey, come here. Want to be on camera? They'd sit down and we'd go, what's the best part about being here in person? So we would sell the people at home a little bit of FOMO. We'd give them some extras with the extra interviews. Then we'd interview the attendees and we'd get them thinking, well, I have to be there next year. And so the, the clients that we worked with and from other research that's been done, people who did good hybrid events, the next year got more people to come to their event. So it's already proven that it works, but you can't, the mistake is, well, we'll save money and not have a host for the hybrid, for the at-home audience. It's like, nope, got to have its own host, got to have its own feel, and you've got to get them engaged. And it's a broadcast, so you can't engage them the same way you do in the ballroom that's why interviews are so good because you're asking questions. People are listening. They don't know what the answer is. They know it's a little bit on the fly. It's more exciting than a PowerPoint guy just talking for an hour. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And now you, you got me, I got to be honest, you got me thinking I can't be so lazy this year because I, I've, I've been embracing, you know, if I'm really honest, I've been embracing some of the change and some of the, uh, the easier schedule and I'm not you know, we're not doing the live events. So I'm not shuffling around equipment and we're not doing all the things we used to do. And now I can just sit in my house, but maybe I need to start looking at at least a studio doing something a little bigger than uh, zooming at home. Dude, I love it. Um, I'm excited to see you in a bunch more hybrid events and eventually live events as well. Um, remember, check out Making Waves at the C-Suite with Tom Singer. as T-H-O-M. Put the H in Tom. You'll remember him forever. Tom, how do we stay connected with you? And any last things you want us to know? Uh, you can find me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. That links to my podcast. That links to all my speaking stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the only thing we want to know is, is that, you know, this, we're going to get through this. this I, I'm not an expert on pandemics, but I know one thing is true. 
And that is every global pandemic for the last 2000 years has ended. And they usually last a couple of years and then they figure themselves out. Vaccine or no vaccine, we're going to get to the other side of this pandemic. And you have to be ready to get back out into the world. That's why, you know, we mentioned social tightening while social distancing. Your social skills are like a muscle. If you don't work them out, they're going to atrophy and you don't want to be awkward at your first chamber of commerce meeting. So find ways to stay in touch with people now. Well, well said. Great advice. Tom Singer, everyone. Thank you for coming on, man. I'm glad we finally got to make this work. It only took us eight months, but it happened. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, man. Hey, guys, that's the show this week. Um, Matt, really, really enjoyed the interview with Tom Singer. Great guy. Make sure you follow him at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com and follow him, Tom Singer, at social media, Twitter, Instagram. He's all over the place. And hey, if you are doing events or you go to events, make sure you pass along his info. Phenomenal master of ceremonies, phenomenal keynote speaker, and obviously uh, mixed virtual event host as well. So all that and more with Tom Singer. Hey, get out there as you always do. Social Titan while you social distance. Love that. That's the advice this week. And I'll see you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye.